So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the PGA DraftCast brought to you by WindDailySports.com. Just a quick reminder that Sports doesn't just cover golf. They cover the NFL, the NHL, MLB, NBA, soccer, MMA, NASCAR, you name the sport. Sports has projection models, optimizers, articles, and our famous Discord chat to cover it all. Now, if you click the promo link below and you type in Win Big or Green, you will get one week free of WindDaily. And then after that, it is just $5.99 per week for all of that, including some of our betting content. Now, let's get to the PGA DraftCast, where we have proven track records with Joel, Spencer, David, and myself. Let's have some fun. Get in the chat. Make sure you subscribe to the page, and make sure you hit the like button. Let's do this snake draft. Let's do the PGA DraftCast. Let's do it right now. PGA Nation, we are back. And we're back with the Valspar Championship. It should definitely be a fun week coming off of, I guess, what was a not exciting players as the tournament was over basically on Friday. But uh, it was still a fun tournament to bet on. Um, we made a little bit of money here on our side. But before we dive in, we have a very special guest drafting with us tonight, Roberto Aguayo. Thanks for coming on. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, guys. Excited to be with you for the Valspar Championship DraftCast. Awesome. Well, we're certainly excited to have you draft with us tonight. Um, to catch you up quickly, Spencer was on a streak. Uh, he had won – how many in a row was it? Five. He had won five in a row. But the streak has been broken. And now I am the current champion, so I know it's not surprising, of course. But <laughs> uh, I'm looking to start a little streak of my own here this week. Spence, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. It was nice for Sia to do his little intro before getting out of here today. Uh, I am hoping that what you just said doesn't become factual and I can get back on track here. It wasn't the greatest players championship. I think when I constructed that build, I even said it on the show. I wanted Scotty Scheffler. He was taken from me before I could make that pick. I ended up pivoting over to Rory, who I didn't even necessarily have a ton of exposure to, but you know, that's kind of the nature of this draft, unfortunately, is you get put in these spots where you have a lot of money on the table. You have to try to find a way to 
I mean, I guess you don't, I could leave a lot of money on if I wanted to, but it uh, just didn't work out, I guess is the nice way to say that. And hoping that things play out differently this time. It's a, it's a fair point. The, the One of the big challenges with the draft is if you draft a certain way and save money and then your guy is gone, right? The way the financials work out, like you, it could leave you in a really awkward position of how you finish your roster because some of those guys that you maybe had kind of saved for you know, are no longer available for you. Exactly. That won't ever happen to you making your own lineups, but it certainly can happen on the draft cast. David, how are you doing tonight? I'm good, Joe. I'm good. I'm good. Just want to respond to Spence because I'll point out that he was blinded by his love by Jason Day and took him for his first pick. And Scotty Scheffler was still on the board, so he did have the option. The audience got to him first. And, um, you know, super sub captain this week for the audience, um, myself. And audience, unlike your previous captain, I am fully on your side. I want to see the audience get this takedown of the experts this week. Let's go. Let's bring it. I love it. I love it. It's an interesting course this week. It, it's definitely a challenge, and it's it's a fun one to break down for DFS. Uh, this is not going to be a birdie fest, but this is a challenging course, and I'm excited to hear Spencer break it down. A, f- a funny thing I've been telling myself in my head this evening is, and it's obviously I'm being sarcastic, it's not the truth, but I was like, will there be more birdies? Scotty Shuffler last week? Or the entire field this week? <laughs> no, obviously, but like, not only that. You're also getting a watered down field outside the top yeah. five to ten guys. This is this is a JV tournament. We're getting a lot of B and C type golfers. So, Spence, tell me, what are you looking for in the course this week? Yeah, so we have Innisbrook Resort Copperhead. It's measuring seven thousand three hundred forty yards. It is one of the more challenging venues that we get on tour yearly for a few core reasons. We have seventy four bunkers, six holes that present legitimate water hazards that are littered throughout the property. That's the headache and despair for the field that they're going to get at all turns. We see that emphasized with its sinister nature of removing certain aspects from your game, all while demanding a complete tee to green skill set for those that find success. And, you know, Roberto, you and I talked about this, I don't know, an hour ago on our Links and Locks podcast, but this isn't necessarily your prototypical Florida course that you've gotten over the past month. I think the big difference comes into play with this tree line essence that we're looking at. So, You have 24-yard fairways on average, uh, three-inch plus rough. That's going to condense the grounds down into this compact off-the-tee test. And we see that highlighted by, as I said, the one key variable that makes it overly complicated is since it removes a driver from all the players' repertoire, you're going to need a golfer that can work the ball in both directions. The reduced layup sneakily add a bunch of distance to the equation that you might not see up front when you look at that number. Like, you know, 7,340 yards is long. But it becomes a lot longer when guys are only hitting it 270 off the tee and they're not going over 300 on a lot of these holes. There's going to be an abnormal five par threes that stretch over 200 yards. Uh, All the par fives are extremely lengthy. And I think when you add that mixture of those factors with the variety of par four holes that you'll find at this course, it is easy to understand why 67.8% of second shots take place from 150 yards and beyond this week. So that's something that I highlighted in my model. I think short game is going to be important, but... You kind of talked about it, Joel, like it's a watered down field with a bunch of water on the course. So uh, volatility and chaos is kind of what that means to me. The field is certainly hydrated this week. It's going to be an exciting week for betting because the last, what is it, four holes are a very fun finish in that you can ball up. You can have a no lead is going to be safe. 
these guys can easily bogey, double bogey, fall apart. So it'll be an exciting tournament to watch for sure. And then not only that, like we said before, there's maybe five, four or five, you know, really good golfers. Then after that, you know, this is where I think there's maybe a bigger edge than even we get for the majors because now we got to deep dive and find who are those guys that are valued, that are playing well, that are going to be able to show up on the leaderboard by the end of Sunday this week. So let's pull up the draft board and get right into it. For those of you who are new to the show, um, the way it works is we do a snake style draft. Um, you pick a DraftKings roster within salary. So you cannot, as I pull the board now, you cannot just pick any player. Um, you have to pick players that you will be able to stay within a DraftKings salary on. Of course, we will be picking snake style. So I'll go first because I won last week. Roberto, you're going to go second. Spencer, third. The audience, fourth. And then snake style audience, you'll go again. So get your nominations in while Spencer is on the clock. Um but yes, and I don't normally do this. I did give myself the first pick this week. Uh, and the reason I did that is because there's one golfer to me that is a little different than most of Oftentimes when I make this statement, I say there's one guy head and shoulder above the rest. And I usually like that guy to win the tournament. I'm making this pick because I'm not even saying this guy's going to win the tournament, but I'm so confident he's going to get a top 10 at least. Like he's going to be in a competitive winning lineup for this format especially that is well worth me going first and then building around him from there. And that's Justin Thomas. Um, this is just the best golfer in the field. The ball striking's there. And I actually, I'm interested to hear, you know, your guys take on this, but the one flaw for Thomas right now is his putting, right? His putting has been shaky to say the least. Uh, but because these greens are so challenging, I actually think that kind of neutralizes his putting a little bit because it's hard to imagine many guys having a great week putting. So it's almost as if, if no one's going to really gain a ton of strokes putting, that that should neutralize his poor putting a bit and his ball striking, you know, will be above the field for sure. Yeah, I guess just to really quickly touch on that point. So I run my model in a way that obviously compares every single golfer against one another. And, and I think I like the way that you mentioned it, Joel. And I, I kind of tend to think that Justin Thomas is going to win this event. Now he's the betting favorite. That's not necessarily going out on a limb there, but there was a big discrepancy that my numbers had this week from Justin Thomas compared to the rest of the field, like much more so than you get during a lot of these events. That, that means something like, obviously, yes, the popularity is going to be up there. I'm seeing like 25 plus percent right now, but I just think that, I mean, if you can call that good chalk, I think he's going to win the event and I think you're going to probably need him in your lineup and there's enough ways to differentiate. So if I would have had the number one pick, I would have taken Justin Thomas. I think it's the correct choice to be made. And I know this is going to sound weird, but to me, honestly, for this field, 25% seems is lower than I expected. I was expecting him to be at least 30%. And I do think that number will rise, but if he remains under 30, then I think he's for sure a good value. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. All right, Roberto, without further ado, your first, DraftKings pick, you're on the clock. All right. Uh, I would have taken Justin Thomas with that first pick. So I'm going to go with Jordan Spieth here in second. I think with there being just four players in that $10,000 tier, got to get them while we can in the draft cast here. So I'm going to go with Jordan Spieth. I like him more than Sam Burns and Matt Fitzpatrick. He's volatile. We know this, but he's got upside, I think, significantly more than Burns and Fitzpatrick. I don't love the form either. So I'll take Spieth for uh, 10-6. For sure. It does feel like Spieth is 
trending in the right direction in the last couple of weeks. Um, we've seen some better play from Jordan. Uh, so, and especially now, now get him in the tournament with, you know, not a lot of those big dogs to compete with. He's another one of those guys where it feels like even if he doesn't win the tournament, a good outcome, a top 10 finish seems like a pretty sure thing to me. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, his approach play has really proved to late for um, for Jordan. And um, I thought he performed um, pretty well last week at the players with that 19th place finish. Um, it, I, I still have some concerns that we're not seeing the full Jordan Spieth yet, but I agree that we're seeing the trajectory. My, my biggest concern is that I have him at the moment at like 29% ownership is like the, the highest on the board, um, followed by um, Justin Thomas at 28%. So I mean, these first two picks aren't necessarily that surprising, but I guess my concern would be, you know, building the lineup with these these kind of chalky guys right at the top who, who do hold a lot of win equity, absolutely. What does it mean further down the draft when we get into that 6K? And I'm looking forward to seeing the value that um, Roberto and, um, yourself, Joel, bring um, in later in the lineup. So you're trying to get information on me before I make my picks. I'm, you'll have to wait and see. There you go. <laughs> All right, Spence, you're on the clock. Uh, like the way that this draft has gone, which doesn't surprise me that it started Thomas and Speeth. If there was ever a tournament that I was going to leave an astronomical amount of funds on the table it might be this week. I, I, I'm kind of curious to see how this plays out. I'm trying to decide between two players right now. There's one that I want, and then there's one that kind of, th- I mean, I, I don't want to give away too much strategy, I guess. I'll just leave it at that right now. Um, okay, I am going to go with one of the safest players in my model this week. And, you know, Look, David, I know you're not necessarily the one making the pick here right now, but we have to have more secrecy of what's going on. Like, if I'm going to be accused of stealing picks here and I see Taylor Moore as one of your favorite plays, I'm going to go with Taylor Moore. He's 12th in my model overall. Um, I think he's – I mean, if we're looking from like $7,500 up, he's probably one of the two best values that I can find on the board for me. And I really like what he's presented recently. So five made cuts in the last six tournaments, It's kind of the prototypical tournament that you would expect him to find success. And uh, I'll let Roberto touch on this a little bit, because I know that this is something that we talked about on our action network show, but do you want to talk about that corollary that you saw with him with uh, Adam Hadwin? Yeah. So if you go on data golf, you can look at the player's, distribution of strokes gain in relation to the PGA tour in um, you can look at their relation to the players in the PGA tour uh, on strokes gain off the tee on approach um, on putting around the green. And you can go back year by year. So you can look at their current form right now. You can go back to 2022, et cetera, et cetera. If you go back to 2017, if you look at Adam Hadwin's and Adam Hadwin was a winner here in 2017, his profile looks strikingly similar to that of Taylor Moore right now in that they're both really strong putters, but they have no weaknesses across the board. And even though they're not extremely long off the tee, they are, they were slightly above average in distance off the tee, but this week that's not a big deal because you're taking less than driver. So guys are going to hit it 270, no matter how long they've hit it off the tee because everybody can hit at least 270. So I like Taylor Moore in that he's also got a lot of momentum and he's got five top 40 finishes in his last six starts. And one thing that's interesting for him, especially in this format of DFS, is that 
think he's got nine cuts made in 14 starts on tour, but every single one of his cuts made on tour this year has turned into a top 40. So he converts on Saturday and Sunday, and he seems to get better and build momentum. So I like Taylor Moore in a variety of formats this week. There you have it. And I know I'll kind of mention as well. We all, as a, as a group, talked about Taylor Moore for a bit before the show. We all were on him. We all liked him. So hey, um, I said I like DJ Moore to keep it a secret. <laughs> I guess my one question is what ownership do you see on him? So right now it's lower than I anticipate. I mean, it's 11 and a half percent, but I, I mean, maybe that trends up a little bit, but I mean, there's a lot of ownership with some, a couple players around him that I'm hoping that it stays at that number. But I mean, it's one of those spots where I'm fine with where that is. I think he's one of the better plays on the board. Yeah. 11 and a half percent is more than reasonable. Um, all right. Well, audience, it looks like the pick is in David. Who are you guys going with? Yeah, so um, after Spencer has stolen Taylor Moore from us, which, you know, I I am deeply disappointed about. We've found ways to make our lineup even better, and the audience have gone with Adam Hadwin and Wyndham Clark, which are two fantastic picks. I'm very happy with both of those. I agree with the audience on both. Um, I also liked Justin Rose, which got nominated, and um, wouldn't have mind if we went that way with um, Zach Jeffers' nomination. But, um, yeah, a couple of great nominations. Adam Hadwin's obviously got fantastic um, correlating form on various courses that are comps to this one, as well as the, the obvious um, course form. And the recent form for Adam Hadwin has been just, it's been fire. He is an an excellent touch at the moment and then Wyndham Clark's approach play has just gone to another level like he really has just absolutely transformed his irons at this point and it's it's become consistent enough that uh, that I think this is like quite a lasting change for him and, and it is permanent the what I'd add with Wyndham Clark as well is that last week at the players he did actually manage to gain driving accuracy as well as he climbed down off the tee so having this kind of course where we're getting um as Spencer said narrow fairways the rough is growing up to 3.75 inches this week so um he is going to need to club down off the tee but his um long iron approach play is excellent and um i expect him to be able to make it up there so great job audience i'm happy to be on your team i i think with hadwin when we look at him specifically and i'm going to equate this to i guess justin thomas also and I, i've made this example a couple times so if we're looking at two golfers there and thomas and hadwin i know they're completely different players thomas has much more upside to win this event those two players are the epitome epitome of good chalk in, in this sort of an aspect. Like I'm going to find ways to put both of them into my player pool. If that means that I need to condense down in other spots, I'm fine going in that direction. But I really like Adam Hadwin this week. And that might be from an outright betting perspective. Like I didn't get there pre-event, but I'd be curious to see what that number is Thursday and Friday night. Cause I might try to find a way to jump onto that. One thing, one thing I'll, I want to kind of touch on with that, in my opinion, good chalk is much more likely to appear in a watered down tournament where you can say like there are guys in this tournament that you just know are significantly more likely to top ten because you've seen them do it. Whereas when you get one of those the, the field of the players, we've seen forty of those guys top ten. So you know it, it's to say good chalk, we can know the guy next to him can do it. Maybe he's not playing as well right now, but we've seen him do it. In this field, there's guys that have never top 10 tournaments. So outside of some of these top guys, you know, they just have never shown that sort of upside. So that's why you're going to find way more good chalk in a tournament like this than you will with a full field. Um, yeah. Roberto, what do you think of, of Wyndham Clark this week? 
I like Wyndham Clark a lot. That length is always an advantage. And if he can parlay that into more driving accuracy this week by taking less club, I think that'll suit him well going forward. And we've mentioned the strengths he has off the, the strength that he's built on approach over the course of this season, I think gives him a lot of upside. I love it. I love it. All right, Spencer, I can see it in your eyes. You're scrambling already. Who are you looking at here with your second pick? No, I mean, in reality, like, obviously I would have liked Justin Thomas or Adam Hadwin. Those were two players that I would have been very fine putting into my lineup. And this is kind of where I'm going now by saying, I think there's a chance I leave a lot of money on the table. We'll see how this plays out. But uh, there's a golfer that I like at 7,800. I'm looking at about the same ownership that I see with Taylor Moore. And that would be Steven Yeager. When I ran my model this week, so when I ran it from any generic course, he is 29th in weighted tee to green, or I'm sorry, in tee to green. When I ran it from a weighted perspective, he jumped up to seventh. It's the same exact move that happens when I added the putting to the mix. He remained eighth for me from a weighted strokes gain total perspective. Top 20 in my model in total driving. Uh, Kind of all the metrics seem to be pointing in this direction for me where Yeager has real win equity in this tournament like he was the very first ticket that i punched uh he would probably be if i was to like power rank these names probably would have been my first pick in general i just didn't want taylor Moore not to get back to me here so i flipped the order of how i would have done it but i i think there's a lot of ways to play jaeger whether that be pushing the envelope and you know trying to bet him as a top five a top 10 a top 20 uh betting him to win this tournament or obviously in this regard as we're talking about for dfs Playing him on DraftKings, I, I think that the upside is there for him to give you a top 10 finish. I love it. I love it. Shout out to Courtney Harding. Took down a tournament last week. Back on the show for the repeat this week. I love it, Courtney. Thanks for joining the show. David, how about you? What are your thoughts on Steven Yeager this week? I was very, very high on um, Steven Yeager. Um going into the week but I, I will point out that there does look to be a bit of a weather edge developing um in terms of the timings and he did end up on the wrong side of it and the the only reason i mentioned that is like look the the weather side depending on the size of the edge it's not necessarily the be or end or but it can be a contributing factor and the other thing with Jaeger for me is he's he's the highest owned within that 7k range at the moment so there's a lot of people going there I will say though that within 7k I think there's a lot of people like the 7k is pretty rich in terms of like potential upside and it's all much of a muchness that um some of that ownership is getting spread around like there's a lot of guys for me in that seven to nine percent range i do have um steven jagger pushing around that 12 percent at the moment so um again it's just going to be i think a, a point of um spence getting maybe a little bit different and leaving like ten thousand dollars on the table by the end of this um show spence i dare you i dare you I mean, it's it's definitely doable depending on how this plays out. And, and just to kind of double down on your point, I see 11.69% for him, which I believe is also the highest owned player that I have. But I don't know. I mean, obviously, like, I think that's the one spot that we differ a little bit is when it comes to the weather. Like, I don't play it as aggressively as you do uh, from a full tournament perspective, at least with it. And sometimes it burns me. Sometimes it plays out well. Like, there's obviously so many times where the PGA tour just randomly stops the event. And I know like we can say there's thunderstorms and there's different things, but we're not getting through these rounds half the time as it is to begin with. So I try not to let it affect me too much just because weather can change and we're still 
I mean, so many hours out to, talking about where the problem comes into mm. play. So you never know what's going to happen. And if you're telling me on Wednesday night, like there's a hundred percent definitive chance that that's the way that it's going to play out, then maybe, yeah, you can go in a different direction there, but I'm going to bet on the upside of Jaeger just and trust my model, I guess, at the end of the day. I mean, his approach by the last three tournaments as well has been excellent. I guess that's what drew my eye to him as well. But as I said, I guess it's it's part of the like kind of suite of different factors that I that I take into account, and that was kind sure. of along with the ownership, just maybe put put him down a little bit into my rankings. But I did, I really, really liked him going into the week. So, yeah, I love it. I love it. I I like Jaeger as well. We'll keep an eye on the weather and see if there is a significant hindrance or not. But, Roberto, you got a good start here with Jordan Smith. Who are you looking at with your second pick? So I would have been looking at Taylor Moore here, but Spencer and I obviously had the previous podcast recording today, so I knew that one was going to come up, and we'll let him have that one. We'll let him have Steven Yeager, too. I know he was all over both those guys, so I can't be accused of stealing his picks anymore <laughs> if we let him go get those two. That is fair. Um, with that being said, uh, a guy that I don't think he was going to be on anyways, uh, I'm going to take Justin Suh this week. We know he's an elite putter, and you mentioned how these greens are going to be relatively tough to put on, and I think that that serves as an advantage to the guys on both ends of the spectrum putting, the guys who are really not good, like a Justin Thomas, who's looking for something right now, and potentially a Jordan Spieth and a Justin Suh who can rein in putts from longer ranges. Jordan Spieth, of course, might be walking in a six-foot putt that he didn't think was going to go in. But Justin Suh, much more solid uh, throughout different ranges with the with the putter right now. He's also got a lot of momentum with his approach play. And the big weakness of him is his around-the-green play. But last week, he posted his best-ever around-the-green strokes gain performance. So hopefully he can take some of that momentum and bring it into this week. And I know it's going to be different types of around the green play this week compared to last week, but last week it was pretty challenging around the green. So hopefully he can keep it going. I love it. I love it. He certainly has been playing well. It certainly has a lot of upside, especially in this field. Spencer, did you have your eye on side this week? Like it's going to come down to ownership for me. I think everything that Roberto said makes obvious sense with it. And, you know, it's, kind of like even we just talked about a second ago with him like I knew this pick was coming too with it and it's Suz game is going to come down to what his capabilities will be around the green and if we look at the long-term perspective of it he's outside the top 100 in my model if we look at the last 24 rounds he's inside the top 50 you're telling me that he's going to be able to provide that short game acumen to go with a putter that I mean, he's very Jordan Spieth like in my eyes of what he's able to produce uh, obviously, like the metrics seem to be moving this the right direction. He's making a bunch of cuts. And now we're starting to get the upside that maybe we didn't see for him when he first got his card to start this year. So um, I think he's certainly doable. He's ninth in my model from an overall rank sense. That's an intriguing thing. 20% is something that you have to make a decision with. And you kind of have to figure out, you know, do you want to play him? Do you want to play Adam Hadwin? Do you want to go to Wyndham Clark. Like, I don't know if all those guys make sense to throw into a player pool, but I think you can pick and choose your spots and all those players are doable. And one more thing on Sa, his around the green play has really improved since the calendar year flipped in his second and third starts on the tour this year. He lost 2.67 and 1.53 strokes around the green. And then he also had some poor performances at the Houston open and the RSM. But since the calendar year has changed, hasn't lost more than a half stroke or 0.53 strokes at the Genesis, but uh, around the green, but everything else has been relatively okay for him. 
at least around the green. There you have it. I, I like it. I like it. Um, all right. It's my turn to find some value. Who am I going to put here to make this JT lineup work? And there's two guys that really stood out in the lower 7K, from, 7K range for me that I'm going to target. And the first one is going to be Sam Ryder. And for similar reasons that you're mentioning with Justin Sutter, I mean, that putter is red hot right now. And if he's going to continue that putting streak, um, you know, his more recent form, the ball striking has taken a bit of a hit. But before that, I mean, I'm not talking that long ago. If we, if we remember just a few tournaments ago, Sam Ryder in, what was it, the waste management, it was in mid-February, gained four strokes on approach. So um, he slowed down a bit, but his gains putting over the last six tournaments, basically the whole calendar year of 2023, has been one of the best in all of golf. I mean, in just the last four tournaments that he's played, and he's gained four and a half strokes, two, seven and a half, and six. So if he continues that hot putter and just – you know, doesn't lose strokes with his ball striking. He just says neutral or, or positive there. I think he can really compete this week in this watered-down field. And I'm going to pair him with David Lingworth. Uh, David Lingworth's ball striking, another one of those guys who's kind of trending at the right time here, whereas at the players last week, he got a sixth-place finish. He gained six-and-a-half strokes on approach. He gained five strokes putting. The five strokes putting is probably an outlier. He's not a great putter. But at the Honda Classic just two tournaments before, he also gained six strokes. So – this guy is really striking the ball well. Again, if he can make some putts this week, I think he's another tournament he'll compete in. David, how about you? What do you think about uh, David Lingworth this week? Yeah, David Lingworth wasn't um, someone who was on my radar, but looking looking into the stats, I can see the, the improvement in the approach play. That looks really intriguing. Um, I mean, six in the players is obviously a completely different field in terms of what we experienced last week. So um, look, that's, that's a really impressive performance from him. Um, I had him a little bit earlier in the year um, based on some of the metrics that we were seeing and um, didn't come through, but it look, does look like he's turning his game around. Um, driving X3 is also a positive for him as well, which I, I think is a, a big tick in the right direction. Um, I like the Sam Ryder pick as well. I think that's um, that's great play, and it's it's interesting, right? Because he lost he lost strokes approach last week at Sawgrass, and the it, it's interesting that all of us who now have so, access to such great golf data that in a GPP situation, if we were all looking at Sam Ryder and going, oh, I don't want to take Sam Ryder because he lost approach last start, well, maybe it's actually the right time to take Sam Ryder. Because he lost strokes approach on one tournament previous to that he's been absolutely excellent and as you see gaining eight so can be a great way to to get a bit different and if he spikes and finishes the top ten you've got your value right there. I tend to, sorry Joel, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. I, I tend to think in general that everybody looks at sample sizes from way too short of a duration of time, and I mean I'll even take it a step further with it. Like when we look at in tournament data that comes into play. Everybody takes what happens after round one and all of a sudden all the research that you put in from a pre-tournament perspective goes out the window. And I've never understood that theory. Sure, add it to the mix of it. It's important what somebody did, but it shouldn't be the end game of why now all of a sudden you're on somebody or off of somebody. And, you know, this is a little bit longer duration of time talking about one tournament, but it's such a short sample size that I wouldn't say that Sam Ryder all of a sudden now doesn't know how to hit an iron anymore. Like he's... If he's been gaining, I'd be willing to trust the longer-term metrics. And if everybody wants to get off of him for that reason, kind of as David said, that's usually the time that you want to jump on. And like that's, I think, the opposite mentality that a lot of people take. For sure. And the one thing I'll add, one new exercise I've been doing this week with that, similar to what we've been talking about, I've been looking at 
the individual holes, right? If you go on data golf, you can see how they're playing. And what I'm looking for is if a guy's losing a ton of strokes on approach and it's because he's just consistently negative, like every hole, then, you know, small negative every hole, I'm more off him, right? He's just not hitting the ball well. If a guy has a few blow-up holes where he's just, you know, lost two strokes because he put it in the water and just completely blew up, but otherwise has some positive game strokes, that's a guy I'll go back to. He's not hitting the ball off as awfully as it looks. He just had a few bad swings that he can correct. So I did that this week with Ryder, and that was the case where he had a few really bad swings at the players where um, that hurt him. But overall, he's he had some good shots as well. So I think you can find some of those good shots here this week. Water is the most volatile thing that comes into play, and you're going to get these aberrational results at the end of the day when somebody puts it into the water. Especially exactly. a, a windy tournament like last sure. week, you know, it, it could just be that he actually put a good swing on it and the gust of wind hit it into the water and suddenly you're, you're minus two strikes. That's a really, really good point. Yeah. And the same the same idea works the other way around, right? If you're watching a tournament, a guy hits a hole in one and he's gaining six strokes. Right. Right? It doesn't mean he's the best ball striker that week. That means he had one astronomically great shot and it's making the numbers skew him greater than from the rest of the round. Absolutely. So. Keep those things in mind. All right, Roberto, with your third pick, who are you looking at here? I'm going to take Will Gordon. He's another guy who's volatile but has upside. He's been gaining momentum on approach lately, and the putter has spikeability in both directions. But the question this week is really, can he hang on around the green? I'll take a chance on his upside and take him at 7,500. I have a question for you before we move on. Do you need to blink twice right now? Does Nick have you kidnapped? (laughs) I am still on Will Gordon. I had him both for first round leader and outright at Pebble a few weeks, a couple months ago, I guess now. And he got to eight under par, I think through 14, 15 holes. And then the wind was blowing at him coming the last three holes there. He actually became the tournament favorite because of that watered down field where the favorites like this week weren't very many of those elite players and they weren't playing very well. But Gordon proceeded to go bogey, bogey, triple bogey. And because it was a cut after 54 holes, he actually withdrew, but he missed the cut because uh, he had to go get to the Monday qualifier in Phoenix the next week. Will Gordon, big upside, but he can go from eight under par to over par in a couple days as well. So we'll take it. We'll take what we can, but we're shooting for upside here. That's fair. I like it. And that's a play. We typically are shooting for GPPs. We're going for upside with these picks. We're, you know, we, as we say, sometimes if you want to play safer, they're safer picks, but uh, we like to go for the win. So I like it, Roberto. Uh, Spence, you're on the clock. So this is probably the route that is the route that I'm not going to leave a lot of money on the table here. And it's another chalky player that I'm going with. I'm going to have to figure out a way to differentiate this lineup at some point, but I'm going to take Justin Rose at 9,600. When I look at my model with the outputs that I get, so when I look at this course specifically, strokes gain total weighted, he is number one in this field. He's also number one for me when I look at weighted proximity from 150 plus yards. Those are two very important categories. And, you know, there's a lot of talk, and even Roberto mentioned this uh, earlier today when I talked to him. There's a lot of talk about Ricky Fowler. There's a lot of talk about Jason Day. I think Justin Rose tends to be the forgotten about player in the mix. And he's the only one from the mix that has actually won uh, in like the last couple of years. So while I would say Jason Day is probably the better golfer, even with that being said, I do think Justin Rose is better than Ricky Fowler. And I'm not so sure that always comes into play there. And uh, this is a very fair price tag at 9,600. And 
I think from a win equity standpoint, you know, I considered Sam Burns. That was kind of what I liked early in the week, but I decided to pivot most of my exposure that I'm probably going to take at this moment over to Justin Rose instead. All right. Roberto, how about you? Have you any exposure to Justin Rose this week? I like Justin Rose overall. I think he gives you a solid high floor, but he also has that ceiling this week uh, with it being a lesser field. And there's some unknown with how high he can get with that ceiling, given what we've seen from him previously, major championship winner, number one player in the world. So I like the Justin Rose play. All right. There you have it. David, you got a lot of nominations coming in from the audience. Who are you looking at here? Well, it looks like the audience, and I've just shared this fantastic weather information with them, and we've taken Ben Griffin and Brandon Wu both in the opposite wave. So, um, look, I'm, I'm going to trust my team. I'm going to trust that they know what they're doing. Um, I'm going to trust that they're listening to me as their captain. Um, ben Griffin... I mean, what what a season he's had so far. You know, um, great rookie season for him. He's just extremely talented. I think he's got great upside. He's coming in off some fantastic results. 35th last week at the Players um, and 14th at the Arnold Palmer. So two elevated events. And for a, a rookie to be jumping on the tour and doing that pretty much straight out of the gate is um, is always eye-catching. Um, look, I... I I, I have some concerns about the driving accuracy would be my question with Ben Griffin, especially if he is going to end up in the, the high winds on that we're predicting on Friday afternoon. You know, I, I'll temper that a bit by saying, you know, there's a tree line course. It's not like it's like an ultra exposed, like Lynx course where like 15 miles per hour wind feels like 40, but um, you know, it, it is a slight, slight cause for concern for me. Um, hopefully he uses distance clubs down off the tee and, and finds some few ways and the other one's Brandon Wu, so I really like Brandon Wu as well. Um, coming off a great Florida swing from 19th at the Players, 14th at the Honda Classic. Um, again, I think he's got some upside. His approach has been improving a lot lately as well, and it's been fairly consistent. Like He's gained, gained approach, albeit at the, the field average for um, all of his last five tournaments. So, um, yeah, promising picks. And um, as I said, I'm just going to trust that the audience knows what they're doing in terms of um, fading the, the weather, where they reach. There you have it. There you have it. You know, the audience is going for the balanced attack with me, which is interesting. I think it's definitely going to be unique for sure. Um, but I kind of like what, what you guys have done there with, with the audience roster. So, so far, so good. All right, Spence. I, I can I know you're scrambling. Who are you looking at here with your with your fourth pick? I am scrambling a little bit right now. Um did the audience steal a pick? <laughs> no, they, they didn't, but um like, I just want to note that I kind of hate the ownership on Ben Griffin this week. Um, I think it's gotten a little bit out of control. I, I do like Brandon Wu, though. I, I think he's certainly in play. Um, Don't know if you heard that audience, but um, Spencer hates our team. So, <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> All right. I'm going to take a volatile golfer that I think is maybe a little bit more boom or bust than I was hoping to go with it. But it's another player in that same breath that I talked about with Jaeger here, where the weighted total uh, strokes gain total that I ran really shot him up my model into a point where I don't necessarily ever see this player there. And you look at the course history that we've had, and we look at the ownership kind of some alarming things. Like I see close to 10%. 
Uh, he's been better than 70th place one time in the last four years, a 62nd before that. But I'm going to bet on the upside that I do have here. And I'm going to take Nick Taylor just because of that weighted strokes gain total that I have. I, I like Nick Taylor this week. Um, how about you, Roberto? Are you on Nick Taylor? I'm not on Nick Taylor, but I think he profiles somewhat similar to like a Taylor Moore. And so I think there are some similarities there between those players and Nick Taylor. We've seen him already shown that he can spike with his week at the Phoenix open going toe to toe with John Rahm that week. And we've also seen him win on the PGA tour over at Pebble beach. And I think there's some similarities between a course like that and here. Yeah. I think it's a good call for sure. All right, Roberto, without further ado, you're a pick with your fourth pick. It looks like you need probably to go a little bit more value here. Who are you looking at? Yeah, we're going to go really low. Um, so if you go with your DFS lineups, this is not a guy you want to put on all your lineups, maybe sprinkle him in. Uh, I've got him plus 400 for a top 40 play this week, and that's going to be Kevin Roy, uh, just 6,300. So we're going all the way down. But I really like how he profiles on approach for this for this course specifically. He is really poor from inside of 100 yards. But outside of 100 yards, he's sixth on the tour in approach proximity. Of course, proximity, not the best uh, way to go about it relative to strokes gained. But I really like how he profiles here at such a low price. And in his last two events, he's got top 33 finishes. One of them was in Puerto Rico where we don't have data. Um, so maybe not seeing everything there, but overall his approach numbers have been really solid. And um, the question is, can he hold on with the putter? He's outside the top 200 in putting on the PGA tour right now, but a lot of that's because of two really poor uh, putting events to start the year, somewhat like Justin saw in his uh, strokes gained around the green, but with him gaining strokes on approach in six straight crack tournaments, again, not all of them are tournaments where we got four rounds of data because of the tournament uh, rotations like at a Pebble Beach, for example. But I like his value at 6,300. Gives me an opportunity to go farther up the board with some other plays. I like it. And I know, David, I'll let you know. Yeah, I know let me... David mentioned him already this week. What are you thinking here, David? I mean, they, they say that loose lips sink ships, but um, loose lips <laughs> ruin lineups, I think, should be the new tagline. Because, um, yeah, we mentioned him in the Wind Daily Discord recently. And I know I was chatting with you um, guys in the chat about um, Kevin Roy. I mean... I'm amazed. He's only like 2% ownership, like down there at 6,300. And I think that that may potentially increase because um, he profiles fantastic. Like he profiles really, really well. Um, approach stats over 200 yards on the PGA Tour since January 1 this year. Kevin Roy sitting fifth, like fifth on the entire PGA Tour. Like, I mean, that's that's incredible. And it's it's kind of like across the borders approach plays, but particularly over the 200 yards. So if we're looking at like five par threes that are going to be key for scoring this week, you're either going to need to birdie or at least make par and, and keep the round going on those holes. Um, Kevin Roy could be a really, really good pick. I'll also add sneakily that Kevin Roy lives in Tampa Bay. Like this is like his local course. So like if we want to make this like any more beautiful and he's like 400 to one in odds markets, like it's just, it's, it's a beautiful pick and I love it. And I hate, I hate Roberto for it, but I love the pick. And David, I believe all five of those par threes are 195 yards or longer. So yeah, right yeah, yeah. It's, yeah it's great. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. There it's you have it. Get Kevin Roy on your radar. This 
Weak? I can't imagine he's going to be very highly owned. Does anyone have an ownership number on him? I see 2.72%. Still higher than I would have thought. But, yeah, I think you're fine playing the 2.7 owned. Kevin Roy this week. Um, All right. So, I'm glad the way this draft is shaking out for me. Um, With my fourth pick, one of my favorite three guys in the tournament fell back to me, and that's Sam Burns. Go ahead and give me Sam Burns. I'll figure out how to make the value work with the rest of my lineup from here. But listen, yes, Sam Burns completely forgot how to hit an iron shot a couple weeks ago. We saw it. It was, I mean, it was it was laughable. But you know, last week he only gained he he lost less than a stroke. I looked same thing I was saying before. I looked at Data Golf. He had some good approach shots. He's gotten that back. I don't think it's as big an issue as people are making it out to be. Let's not forget that. You know, it was still in February of this year. He gained strokes two weeks in a row. He had 11th and a 6th two weeks in a row. Um, he's still, if not the best putter in this tournament, one of, and he's won this tournament back-to-back years. So uh, even if he doesn't win the tournament, right, you got to think in this field, he's got to be good for a, a pretty good result, a top 10. And if I can get him with Justin Thomas, um, I think I'm in good shape there. Now, the, the, the issue is, and use for those of us who watch us regularly, you know, I'll say this a lot. When we get these watered-down tournaments with the weaker fields, I just think, and I really believe, there's way less of a difference between the 7K guys, upper 6K range, the lower 8K range, than there is in the, in the loaded field. So I'm totally fine sinking down here and trying to get balanced with this low 7K range while I get my studs in the lineup uh, because I don't think I'm taking that big a hit in value. Based on these, you know, they have to just put pricing out there and, you know, I'm okay with taking a shot at the low 7Ks, knowing that these guys are, are fractions, you know, comparable to the guys who are, who are priced up five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars more. So the guy I'm going to pair with him to start with my second pick is going to be Robbie Shelton. Uh, Robbie Shelton, you know, we saw this year has found some, a hot streak. He has been playing really, really well. Um, he's another one of those guys that you know people were on as like a sleeper pick last week, and he disappointed a bit. You know, didn't really have great around the green game. Lost three strokes putting. Three strokes putting. Uh, he also lost strokes on approach at the Iron Palmer. But before that, he gained four strokes in a row on his approach shots. He's been really good around the green. Uh, it feels to me like one of those tournaments where I think he'll do well with the ball striking and tee to green. And it's just a matter of if he can make some putts this week. I think if he finds a few putts, I think Robbie Shelton is in to, to compete. I think that's an interesting route that you just took in general. Like, obviously, stack. I mean, no matter what order you want to put it in, I have Thomas one, Burns two. So you stack the two perceived favorites in my model in that regard. I like Robbie Shelton. I was considering ways to try to get exposure to him in the betting market. Didn't necessarily get there. I I think it's an intriguing route to go. I think there's a plus 140 out there for him to come top 40. That's something that you can consider. Um it's a unique route with it. And you kind of leave a lot more money on the table than you would have thought with the route that you've taken. Like obviously Thomas and Burns left. I don't know what the exact number would have been, but you have three lower $7,000 guys still have 6,800 left over. So uh, it's definitely a doable strategy. Yeah. And one thing to highlight here, there is a big difference when Rom is priced 11, four, right? It's really hard to yeah. make that one up work. But that five six hundred dollars of savings you get from going into ten nine does pay off when you have to build out those those final couple of roster spots. So, uh, all right, Roberto, with your fifth pick, who are you looking at here? 
going to go with Victor Perez. He's a guy who's got top 28 finishes in his last four DP World Tour starts. Hasn't played on the PGA Tour for quite a while. Uh, his last start was the Genesis Scottish Open, which is cross-listed between both of those tours. But while the approach numbers aren't that great, he's really strong off the tee, both uh, with distance and accuracy relative to the DP World Tour. And he's also a really strong putter. So I think he's got some upside right now. And if we can just get a solid week on approach from him, I think he can come through with some value there in the 7,800 range. Victor Perez. I know, David, you are a DP World Tour specialist. Is Victor Perez on your radar this week? He is not, unfortunately. I I think he's improved a lot over the last year. What I'd just point out is with those two victories, the, the Abu Dhabi Championship is like, it's it's one of the elite events on the DP World Tour. It's a Rolex Series event, really stacked field. It, it is this kind of like, almost like fake golf links kind of course. It's, it's designed by a guy who designed um, King's Barnes and um, and Bernardo's, which um, coincidentally Victor Perez had also won at. So um, I, I just wonder if on this like kind of parkland course, whether it's going to be Victor Perez's like strongest suit. He he's he's long and straight off the tee, which which that could be an advantage here if he's getting some lower irons into these greens because he he's one of these rare breeds who manages to smash it off the tee and still somehow keep it in the fairway. So I think that's a positive and. The, the other thing that I did like about Victor Perez, which I'll say, is that I thought his ownership was like lower than I expected it to be. Like I only have it at 8%, and I expected him to be sort of higher around that 12 to 14% is where I thought he would land, given his recent form. So, I mean, um, obviously some people are either not that aware of where he's playing or they're just looking at discounting it because he plays on the DP World Tour and, and golf never happens outside America, right? So, um, so <laughs> maybe they're just writing it off because of that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think potentially some leverage. I, I think he does have the upside. I just, I just wonder if it's like the best cause for his eye. That would be my only question. Yeah, I didn't know you knew that golf was only paid in America too. Thanks for the... Uh... Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> All right, Spence, you are on the clock. Who are you looking here with your fifth pick? I'm going to take a player that has made three consecutive cuts. He's been inside the top 40 here the last two times he's played this tournament. That is Tyler Duncan, 7,300. Uh, sixth in my model for total driving with the way that I weighed it. He is number one for me in good drive percentage over the last 50 rounds that I ran it. And uh, if we just look at the off the tee stuff in general, he is seventh in this tournament over the last 24 rounds. I worry a little bit about the around the green game. I don't know if I necessarily trust it. I don't know if I necessarily trust him on this POA trivialis type surface either, but He's been historically good with the putter on fast screens, at least better than what we usually see. And I'm kind of hoping that the weighted proximity from 150 plus yards, which I have inside the top 30 of my model, ends up playing out well for him, that he's not scrambling as much as some of these other players. Well, there you have it. I, I like the pick. Um, how about you, Roberto? Are you telling Duncan on your radar this week? Tyler Duncan's on my radar this week. But I know that Spencer is really high on him, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. There you have it. I like it. I like it. It looks like the audience has gotten some nominations in and some guys that I do have my eye on this week. So, David, who are you looking at here on the audience picks? Yeah, I don't know if we've, we haven't got a second just yet. Um, I will. I might second one of these guys that I do like, which will be um, Joel Damon. Um, his approach play has been really excellent of late and I'm liking the driving accuracy that I'm seeing out of Damon 
as well. Um, look, I'm just going to accept the fact that we're going the wrong side of the wave and just hope that the weather completely flips at this point. Um, but yeah, last last week he showed some shades of form at the players. Um, you know, the 60th place finish, I don't think um, really reflects the, the quality of play that he had last week. He was a lot higher um, during portions of the tournament and it's the kind of tournament which is going to so, show some volatility as well. Um, he's got some good correlation as well, like Harbour Town. If we're looking, he's finished 12th and 16th at before. Um, TBC River Highlands is a good comp course as well. So I think there's um, there's some potential there with um, with Joel Damon. And I'll just see if we've got the second. Can we just, I think that we've got potentially Eric Cole, it looks like, doesn't it? Eric Cole was not on my radar this week. I wonder if, um, Roberto, do you have any thoughts, thoughts on Eric Cole at 7,300? Well, we, know, we saw Cole put on the putting performance of his life a couple weeks ago, which was really impressive. But overall, his strokes gained approach numbers are really solid. I think he's gained in eight of his last nine uh, track tournaments. So really impressive there. Coming off a T27 last week, at the players so he's got a lot of momentum we know that putter gives him some upside i think at 7300 it's a bargain great well, there you go you. audience i was gonna say cole was on my radar cole was one of those guys in that low 7k range that i was using to get fill out the studs and scrubs lineup so you know right after Ryder and lingworth I, I was considering cole as well that, that's great awesome well audience i'm i think we've got a solid team here you know i think we've gone that kind of like middle of the row kind of build we have avoided all of the chalk at the top of the board which is obviously not going to hit and um this balanced lineup um i think is a really interesting gpp play so um look forward to uh the expert takedown and the audience finally getting the w on the board yeah audience i like your team it looks good enough for second place this week spencer who are you looking at here with your final pick? I can't believe you guys let me take the winner of this tournament with my last pick here. I've said this a lot. It has never worked out on this show before. I am going to take Brian Harmon at 9,100. And uh, that is a way to get unique and to diversify. I think he's going to be the lowest owned player. At least if we're talking like above Maverick McNeely, I think Wyndham Clark and up Harmon will be the lowest owned. Uh, there's a lot that I like about Harmon this week. So he's eighth in my model when we look at this sort of a surface. Um, so I looked at TPC Sawgrass, TPC San Antonio, uh, all the corollary comp courses where you get this overseeded mixture. He is fifth in strokes gain total weighted. He is seventh in the wind. He is third in bogey avoidance, seventh in weighted scoring, second in weighted scrambling, uh, seventh in driving accuracy. A lot of top 10 numbers there. I know that when we look at what he's produced recently, you're going to see miscuts. You're going to see a bunch of finishes outside the top 40 for him. I kind of am okay throwing out most of those events. I'm not so sure those were the prototypical Brian Harmon tournaments that I would have expected him to find success at. I think if we look at the American Express, maybe that's the one counter argument that he underperformed there. I think the Sony Open's a really good fit for him that he did fine. He made the cut, maybe didn't give the finish that I would have wanted, but I don't know. I mean, like we've had this spot in my model to where he hasn't cracked the top 10 in the last four or five tournaments. Obviously it's going to be a very polarizing pick. Uh, there's going to be a big boomer bust nature with him, but you know, he's the one guy who's sub 10% for me. Who's $9,000 and above. 
I'm willing to bet on that upside, specifically with the way that I've built this lineup to begin with. Like, I think there's a lot of popularity on Rose, even like Taylor, Duncan, Jaeger, Moore. They're all 7 to 15% type on guys. As soon as I throw Harmon into that mix, like it's going to be a way to differentiate my build 100% in my eyes. I agree. You know, Harmon wasn't on my radar this week, but I certainly see the upside with him, especially in this field. So if you're getting a lower ownership, a way to get different, I like the pick. Uh, with the sake of time, only a few minutes left here. We'll go right to Robert's pick. Robert, how are you closing out your lineup here this week? I'm going to close it out with Gary Woodland. I'm absolutely going to cover my eyes once he gets to the putting green. But before that, I think he's got a chance to really stand out this week. We mentioned that he, we mentioned that approach play from over 150 yards is really going to be key this week. And Gary Woodland fits that profile to a T. He's sixth on approach from over 200 yards, uh, from 200 to 225 yards. He's second on tour this year in approach proximity. And from approaches over 275, he's 10th on tour. Overall, from over 100, he's fifth. So he's got a lot to like on approach. He can club down on off the tee as well. And we know he's a solid win player as well. So a lot to like from Gary Woodland. The putter is an absolute adventure, and hopefully it's not too terrible. That is that is very fair, but those... Those ball striking numbers have been popping, and they look really good. I agree with you. If you can if you can find a way to neutralize some of that putting, I think he can compete this week for the tournament. Um, all right, so for my final pick here, I am I'm down between two guys who I was really struggling to, to pick between. Uh, since I'm the last pick, I'll tell you who it is. The two guys in between are Dylan Wu and Matt Wallace. Um, Matt Wallace is a guy who's pretty un, under-owned right now. His ball striking numbers are there. He's been pathetic off the team and really bad. But the thought is maybe if he doesn't use driver and he can takes that kind of out of play, uh, that will neutralize his atrocious off the P play. Everything else looks really good. And if he can just kind of neutralize um, his, his, for, his woes off the tee, I think he'll compete. Um, but I'm not going to do it. I, if I had a pair, I would. But I'm going to go with Dylan Wu here, who has been competing more recently. His last few results – um, have looked really good. I mean, 35th at the players, you know, Puerto Rico 48th, 10th at the Honda, 29th at, at Pebble Beach. His ball striking has been good. Um, it's a solid all-around game for a guy at 1,600 in this field. So I feel like that's the safer play between the two. That's a wrap for this draft. Feel free to give us a follow on Twitter. Hit the like button. Uh, it goes a long way. We super appreciate it. We're going to post these lineups. Uh, tomorrow, let us know which team you think is going to win, whose team is the best. We'll come back next week and crown the champion. Before we let you go tonight, as always, we do have our first-round leaders. Feel free to check us out in the Win Daily uh, Discord if you want to bet on some outrights that we will be posting before the end of the week. But for now, we'll start with the first-round leader market. Uh, Roberto, I won't start with you, but I want to just ask, do you have any first-round leaders planned for, for this week? Not my market of choice, but if I'm going to go there, I'm going to go with Will Gordon. We mentioned the extreme volatility, and once again, I'm ready to be hurt. He's 70 to 1. I love it. I love it. Got him on your team as well. How about you, David? Are you looking at anyone in the first round leader market? 
Yeah, so I've got um, four names that I'm going to give out. The The weather looks to only get better as the day goes on, so I'm actually going to go like as late as possible. The tea times get a little bit different here because it actually, those last two hours potentially of play looks to be probably the best time to be on the golf course with virtually no wind whatsoever. So in that regard, it means that you can get some pretty decent numbers on some flyers. Um, and quite a few of these guys have been drafted. Um, we've got Dylan Wu at 90 to 1. Um, I like Nakati at 80 to 1 late in the day as well. David Lipsky, 80 to 1. I just I feel like Lipsky had a dreadful tournament um just now. And I feel like he's gonna come back and just burn us because the the approach plays there and, and we know he has that spike potential um in terms of the putting as we saw earlier in the year with a, a fourth at the Sony Open, which I don't think is is dreadful looking at towards this week. Um then the final two triple figure odds, Augusto Nunez, 125 to 1 in Tano Goya at 125 to 1. I love it. I love it. Uh, Spence, how about you? Who are you looking at in the first round of the market? I love that Augusto Nunez pick. I think I have to add it to my card, even though I'm a little bit overexposed. That was a player for me. Like, no matter how I ran this from an upside perspective, looking on the first day, he kind of had all that boom potential that I was trying to find. I don't know if I trust him over four days necessarily. Not to say that I wouldn't. I'm going to probably have him in my player pool, but. I like that call. Um, the six that I have right now, Justin Thomas, 28 to one. Uh, everybody's favorite play, Brian Harmon, 50 to one. Steven Yeager, 65 to one. Taylor Moore, 70 to one. Tyler Duncan, 80 to one. And I can't quit Alex Smalley, 80 to one. Uh, there you have it. Uh, what a field. I only have three picks for myself this week. Uh, my two longer shots that we're going to have some fun with. Both 90 to 1. Bling Murph, who I drafted for my team as well this week. And I also like Nate Lashley. I don't think it was mentioned on the show. Yeah. I think Nate Lashley is a good play for both DFS. But I think he could be a good first round leader play at 90 to 1. Uh, but my favorite first round leader play, I think the bounce back is on. The guy certainly likes this course, and that's Sam Burns. You know, the fact that even I think they're head and shoulders, you know, three or four guys better than the field. The fact that you're still getting 35 to 100 to be a first round leader, I think is still pretty good value number. So, I'm going to go there. That's a wrap for tonight. I want to give a very, very big thank you for Roberto for joining us tonight. Roberto, you were awesome. Loved your plays this week. Great analysis. We'll hope to have you back on. Unfortunately, I don't see a victory for you this week, but it will be fun. Uh, am I forgetting anything? Well, Roberto, let everybody know where they can find you. You obviously have a lot of work over at Action Network to talk about. Like We do our show together, but uh, talk about the articles you do and then Talk about the stuff that you do for the PGA Tour Live very quickly. Yeah, so um, do stuff with Action Network. You can find Spencer and me on the Links and Locks uh, tournament previews, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, I also do PGA Tour Live work, so I'm going to be hosting next week during the WGC Dell Match Play. It's a home tournament for me, being from Austin, Texas. Got to play Austin Country Club last week, so really excited to share that next week uh, on ESPN Plus with you guys. Also, just write about random other sports for college or for action network. So four and on NBA articles. I follow the Miami heat, watch all those games. So if there's ever a heat game, I'm gambling on it and trying to do more work, uh, writing articles for them. Also we'll share random tidbits on college basketball and, uh, try to write about college football. Did a lot of stuff, uh, with PAC 12 football over the last couple of years, hit at 67% last two years on that. So trying to keep it rolling, but most excited about the, uh, match play next week. If you haven't already, Roberto's up is awesome. You should definitely give him a follow and check it out. 
Um, you'll probably be making some more money. We thank you again. You were a great guest. Looking forward to having you back on. Good luck this week, everyone. We'll see you next week. Sports.